Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you so much for your word revealed to us in scripture. And we thank you for all those that you have used to bring your truth to us. For the psalmists and the prophets who wrote the Old Testament and the disciples who recorded the Gospels and the letters of the New Testament. We thank you for all those people, Lord, and also for all those who have taught and explained and preached your word of scripture in every generation to follow. God, we pray that you would establish us immovably in the truth and give us such a love of truth that nothing false would ever be able to lure us from it. Be with Pastor Joel now as he preaches your word and truth to us and open our hearts and minds to receive it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Those are your kids. I cried so hard in the first service I could already preach. I've been st standing on the side. I thought maybe it'd go away. I had like one stinking weekend here where I could not cry. I look at those kids. And I remember our prayers. There are so many parents, as you well know, that pray day after day. God, just don't let them mess up their life so much that it ruins it. And I can remember when my boys were born, Becky and I used to pray. God, just let us, when they get old enough, let us be in a church with a good youth group. I mean, it was just very simple, very selfish prayer. But I remember praying with a number of you a better prayer. For years and years we've been praying, oh God, let their walk with Christ be so far exceeding of ours that by comparison we look like pagans. I want you to know that you didn't see just worship leadership this morning. You saw answered prayer in front of you. I know these kids. I know they love Christ. I know they're leading lives of purity and dedication to Him. And so whenever I see God being that good to us, I just... It just takes me back. This morning, we're going to follow last week's message. Remember last week we said, with whom do you surround yourself? Who, who, do, you, who do you stay in the company of? People who make you feel good or people who make you be good? We want to follow that up with this question. What do you look at? That which makes you feel good or that which makes you be good? What do you read? That which makes you feel good or that which makes you be good? We're talking about the rudiments of ministry. What is important no matter what ministry you have and absolutely foundational to all ministry is an understanding of the Word of God. The Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture. Now, it's important to note that. Because in saying that, you can't pick what Scripture you're going to believe and what Scripture you're not going to believe. The Bible itself says all Scripture is God-breathed. 
I know we get off the track sometimes because we don't recognize different forms of literature. Not all scripture speaks to us in the same way. And so therefore we don't understand it. And so therefore sometimes we discount it. But the Bible doesn't give us that leeway. All scripture, it says. All scripture. It's important to note that there is in the Bible poetry. And there is in the Bible history. And there is in the Bible story. And there is in the Bible law. And there is in the Bible instruction. All of those are different forms of God's communication to us. But God's communication to us is much more than simple instruction of word. All Scripture is God-breathed. We can't read all Scripture as a direct communication just written for us. When you understand Scripture, you understand that Scripture is the story of God speaking to other people, watch this, so that He could communicate to us. It's as if, well, many of you did this when you were in middle school. You, you, you uh, uh, I, well, let me tell you a story. Um, um, my mother-in-law and her husband, her new husband, they, they met after, at a 50th year class reunion. Both of their spouses had died. Met at a 50th year class reunion, got married. And so they've been married for a few years, and so they want to come down and spend some time with us. And so uh, they just left after a month in the apartment with us. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, when they were coming down, we, we don't have cable, and, and so we thought, well, you know, they're in their 70s, they're not going to be able to go out much, they're, all they're going to be able to do is watch TV, and the guy loves basketball, so we said, we'll get cable. So we got cable, and so it's been great. And, and, uh, but one thing that I, that I love is, uh, is about uh, 9 or 10 at night, uh, Nick at night has uh, reruns of The Wonder Years. I love The Wonder Years. I love that program. And last week sometime, <clears throat> Kevin was going to Winnie on behalf of somebody else, on behalf of another boy that wanted to know if Winnie liked him. Now, how many of you have been in this situation? And, yeah, so go see if, you know. And so Kevin, who has feelings for Winnie himself, was going to Winnie on behalf of this other more studly kid, and saying he wants to know if you like him. Now, I want you to know in that position, Kevin was listening with two ears, one for the guy and one for himself, right? And when he responds, well, do you, what do you mean, do I like him or do I like him like him? You know, the typical, <laughs> of course, Kevin doesn't know. That's girl talk. You know, I don't, I, and, and, but Kevin was listening very closely for any hint of what that message to that person would mean for him personally. I want you to know that the Bible has the same dynamic. When we read it, we want to know how God feels about us personally. And so we read it, that is, we listen to it. We read the Bible. When you read it well, you not only read it with your eyes, you read it with your ears, listening for communication from God. And we read the Bible so that when, when he talks about and to other people, we can catch what he means for us. Very important. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's very important to know the Scripture well enough so that you don't just 
say, well, I, I, you know, if it's all the same, I'll just flip through and find a message for myself. That's a silly way to read the Bible. You, you've heard the story about the, about the literalist Bible flipper who just took that. I'm, I'm, some of you may have done this before. I'll just see if God has a message. You flip through and you point at a verse. And this guy thought he'd do that. I'll just see what message God has for me since it's all the same. And, and so he, he flipped through the thing with his eyes closed and his finger landed on a page and he looked and it said, and Judas went and hanged himself. <laughs> well, he thought, maybe, maybe I'll try this again. So <laughs> closed his eyes, you know, and flipped through and put his finger on another verse and read it and it said, go thou and do likewise. It, <laughs> It's not, a good, it's not a good approach to the Bible. <laughs> Just to see it all as an instruction, personal instruction book, you've got to understand that there are different forms of communication. You don't read uh, uh, a, a shopping list from your spouse uh, in the same way you do a love letter. Uh, you don't read a, here's how to cook uh, a meal in my absence in, uh, in the same way you do uh, a little note tucked into your suitcase. It's, it's a different dynamic. Both are important, but you, you, you've got to understand the communications for what they are. Now, when it says all Scripture is God-breathed, that's also very important to understand. When God created the world, He created it by speak, by speech. It said, the, the, the Scripture says in the first chapter of Genesis, and God said, and there was. That's the formula for creation. Now, when you speak in an anthropomorphic sense, this is, uh, this is to understand he used his breath. Miss Eleanor last night with the kids had him put their hand up when they were talking, just, just in front of their mouth. And when you do that, you can realize that every time you talk, you're using your breath. It's coming out in little, in little bursts. And so there was breath involved in all the creation. But when he made man, when he made men and women, look at what he says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust. Orlando says, Pastor Orlando says, God got down and dirty and, and muddy. Some of us have bleached out since then. But it says, God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, this is very important to understand because in Hebrew, the word is ruach, and the word means spirit. It's the same word for breath as it is for spirit. And so when God breathed his breath into man, he was putting his spirit into man in a very special way, in a way that he didn't in all the rest of creation. And when the Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed, what it means is that God has put His Spirit into this book in a way He has not in any other book. And in a form, it has a life. It has the person and movement and power of God in its words. Every page. And so therefore... If you read the Bible just as a law book, or just as a rule book, or just as a how-to book, or just as great history, or just as great literature, it's all those things. 
But if you read the Bible merely as those things, you've quite missed the point. Somebody sent me a, a, a letter this week, kind of how he'd learned from his kids when they were growing up. I know him and I know his, his, uh, his little, his, well, then little girl years and years ago. She's, going, she's married now, going to get married. And, uh, um, but he was saying, you know, I, I, the Bible is so true when it says, unless you become as a little child. Here's some things that my, that my daughter said that kind of, kind of struck me, and so I just wanted to share them with you. And one of those things was, one time when they were out, when they were, when they were uh, she was uh, a little girl, and they were out walking, um, he was holding her hand, little Stephanie's her name. They were walking down the street, and they saw this just old mangy dog, just kind of going along, kind of old beat up thing. And Stephanie looked at that dog, and she said, oh, look, Daddy. That dog has lost his person. If you read Scripture just for instruction or just for law or just for, for uh, uh, history or just for literature, it's like the Bible has lost its person. That you can never disconnect the two. This is God's Word. And so there is vital information, but it's not just information. When, when, when we were worshiping just a minute ago and they were reading one of Asaph's songs, psalms, one of the girls was, was singing, I love you, Lord, um, as, as an underbed to that, uh, underlying that. Now, to some of you, you may think, well, that's kind of hokey and that's, uh, or that's distracting. But I want to tell you, that is the dynamic of how worship ought to be, or how, how the book ought to be read. Because it's not just words. It's not just getting the words right. It's a song of intimacy. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a letter that brings us closer to God. And so there should be devotion and, and melody and passion behind this book and underlying this book. And then it says this. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, this is very important. When you have information about someone, it enables you to love them better. If you don't love someone according to who they are, you don't love them at all. You love your idea of them. To love really, you must love accurately. Is the only book that can tell you who God really is. Because it comes from Him. It has His Spirit. It gives you the accurate information. And that is absolutely essential. Especially in a day where we live in a culture where everybody is becoming more and more spiritual, but less and less informed as to who God really is. Have you noticed that? We've got this broad-ranging spiritual revival in this country, but not many of them know who God really is. The most, the most, uh, the best-selling book I hear today on the nonfiction uh, list is "Talking to Heaven" by a, I think it's a James von Prague. "Talking to Heaven" is all about having conversations with people that you've known and have died and have gone, gone on before. 
Now, that may seem like a, a harmless thing. That may, to somebody who is very spiritually involved, I mean, I mean that may be something that, that all of us would like to do. I, I would like to talk with some of my dead relatives, some of them. <laughs> but is it kosher, so to speak, to make the attempt? Absolutely not. It says in Leviticus... Chapter 20, verse 6, this. As for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. It says in Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 10 through 12, this. There shall not be found among you one who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination one who practices witchcraft or interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who casts a spell or a medium. What does this say about Ouija boards? Stay away from Ouija boards. That's not a game. It's the occult. It's wrong. It guides you. That's not a message from God. And look at the next phrase. Or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. Now, these aren't bad people who are, who are wanting to do this. They're people who are uninformed by the Word. They are not protected because they have not read it. And therefore, the Word teaches us accurately who God is and who God's not, what God will accompany and what He will not, and what will put us away from God when we thought we were getting closer to God. That's why all of us need to read the Word. It teaches us. It is useful for teaching. It is useful for rebuke. You know, as I read the Word, it really helps me. Now, rebuke is not just something, not something specific that you, 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 you feel guilty about. Rebuke is also a general attitude of, man, I ought to put on the brakes right now. I, it's just out, of, just out of respect, just out of safety. I need to put on the brakes right now. Um, as, as you read the Word and the statutes and the commandments of God, it gets into your understanding that you probably not, ought not to, uh, to give something just for your own profit uh, a shot. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, this morning, uh, I was coming very early into church, and, and, uh, and so you know, uh, uh, as you get on a major highway, all the lights are green. Uh, very early in the, in the, late at night and very early in the morning, uh, unless somebody comes up to the intersection and then it will click and, and let them have a turn. So I'm coming up 436, all the lights are green. I'm thinking, this is great. Now, I don't know why I'm such in, in such a hurry. I haven't got an appointment. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know why. But something about getting behind a wheel, you know, you just want to get there. It's a guy thing. And so you're trying to beat the lights, even there's absolutely no reason for it. So <laughs> and so I see... This, this little pair of headlights pulls up to the thing in the left-hand turn lane, and the light turns yellow. Now, immediately, I think, I can beat this sucker. <laughs> immediately, I do. And then, I think, well, I may not be able to beat it, like, and still go through on the yellow, and, and it might just have turned red, but I think I can beat it in time that the car that's turning wouldn't hit me. And then, in just an instance, the training from Scripture comes say, put on the brake. Come on. Put on the brakes. 
It's only, this is the only breaks I have in life. It's the only breaks I have in life. And so I pulled up to the stoplight and noticed that that car sitting there was a cop car. (laughs) Thank you, God. (laughs) So it's it's useful for rebuke. (laughs) It's useful for correction. It's useful for correction. You know... As you read the Word, it it says in Psalm 119, uh, verses 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart, and make me walk in the path of thy commandments. My favorite seminary professor was a guy named S. Marion Smith, Dr. S. Marion Smith. You know, when I went to seminary, I was still pretty much a... a, a, When I became a Christian, I had lived a reprobate life. And I wasn't a religious sort. I didn't know anything much about the church. I didn't know how to do the religious thing. And so when I picked out a seminary, it wasn't an evangelical conservative seminary. It's not one that I would recommend to anybody right now. Uh, But I went and, and just hoping to get the basics and and, uh, and most of the faculty was what I would call very liberal, except for one old guy who was so old and had tenure, they couldn't fire him. His name was S. Marion Smith. He's just one of the most beautiful, wonderful Bible teachers in the whole world. And I took every course that man offered. He taught New Testament, and I, I'll never forget how he'd, he'd come into class every day, and he'd open up the book. He never needed to open up the book. He had the thing memorized. He'd turn to a, he'd turn to a passage. He'd say, he'd say, boys. There was, just, there was just men in our class, and some of, them, some of them were in their 50s and 60s. He'd call us all boys. He'd say, boys, now I'm going to teach today on this passage. And he would teach, I'm telling you, from the scholars. He was the most intellectually accomplished man. He'd teach from the scholars. As a matter of fact, when we'd write a, when we'd write a paper, We'd say, we'd say, Dr. Smith, do you want us to include our opinion? And he'd say, boys, you don't know enough to have an opinion. <laughs> you tell me what the scholars say. I want, you to, I, want you to, I want to know you know what the scholars say. But I'll never forget, he'd open it up, and big tears would just start going down his cheeks. And he'd tell story after story about how that scripture had guarded his life and corrected his behavior. I want to tell you, I'll never forget that man, and I'll never forget the effect of Scripture on his life. He wasn't going to Scripture every day saying, what should I do? He was going to meet the God of the universe, and that had a natural effect of correction on his life. And for training in righteousness, it says... I've said to us all, you know what? Gathering for worship is great. And everything we need to do needs to begin and end with worship. But we all need to have ministries. And every people say, what's up with that? I can't do ministry. I'm just a, I just do that. I just do that. What's up with that? I want to tell you, you have the basic provision 
in your home or maybe in your hand that you will ever need for any ministry God calls you to. It trains you in righteousness. When we look at a Terry Faye, at, 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 at Disney, you've got to understand what this guy's going against down there. He's, he's not only going against the tide of the secular world, he's going against the tide of a number of Christians who have decided to boycott the place. Now, now, that strategy has always interested me. How you boycott someone in order to force them to become more Christian is a very interesting strategy. But here he is in the midst of this, and you say, how's he going to do a ministry like that? with the Word. How are any of us going to do a ministry? Any ministry at all. How are you going to minister as a mother or a father? How are you going to minister as a teacher? How are you going to minister as a, as a workman on any job? How are you going to minister as a friend? You know, we hope to have mentors someday for folks. And we hope to give specific instructions for specific fields of ministry. We hope, but until that day, and if that day never comes, we all have the basic resource for ministry right here. The Bible says it's useful for training, for rebuking, for correcting, or teaching, correcting, or rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God, you, you, all, you understand this is an editorial, uh, human, persons, of God may be equipped for every good work. How does that happen? It happens because the, the, the Bible has a life. The Bible has a living presence. And as we read it, we've got to understand that it has an effect, a power on us even as we assimilate it. First of all, it, it is personal. I know it was written to somebody else. Again, Miss Eleanor wrote last night and said, you know, kids, I, I, she said to the, 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 the children's sermon last night, she said, you know, kids, what you ought to do, and I think this is probably a good idea for all of us, just to remember this. What you ought to do is you ought to go home and get your Bible and turn to the first page that you can write in, and you ought to put there two, and then put your name and then put under it, from God. Boy, that's what we all ought to do. Just so we can remember, this is to you, from God. It's a very personal thing. We've got to understand that many times, correspondence is the main form of relationship building. There is... A, uh, a movement of marriage enrichment. As a matter of fact, I think it's even called that, or marriage encounter, I think it's called. Back when I went to one of these years and years ago, but I can't remember. Um, but its main form of building up a relationship is writing a letter to the other person. I was talking, I had breakfast with somebody last week, and, and, and their marriage was just on the fritz. I mean, they were at the point of divorce. And they went to one of these things. And through that writing of that personal letter every day, 
telling the other person how they felt, and giving the other person the space to read that letter, once for their head and once for their heart, their marriage is now thriving. Thriving. You know why? Because many times a letter will not let a relationship progress any further than the maturity of that relationship. Many times a personal encounter rushes us toward a maturity that relationship doesn't have yet. Some of you conducted your courtship by letter, and you know the advantage of that. Of course it was painful. Of course you'd rather be with the person personally. But I had a, I had a my sister was engaged to a Marine that was serving in the, in the uh, uh, Mediterranean. And they carried on and built their relationship by letter. And of course it was painful, but there were many advantages to that. The chief advantage being that the physical encounter did not overpower the spiritual and intellectual and personal groundwork. When you read this book, it is laying the groundwork. It is conditioning you for the personal encounter with God. And that's so important. It has a power of its own. I, pastor uh, Marco Cardenas, uh, the pastor of our Spanish ministries here, was a businessman in Ecuador, his native country, for years and years. And there came a time in his life when he was going through a horrible time. And he was in a hotel room with a Bible. And he opened it to Psalm 25. And absolutely, that psalm jumped off the page at him and he gave his life to the Lord based on simply reading the Bible. That's the power it has. That's the power it has. But it also brings to us, and I'll close with this, it also brings to us the perspective of the one we love. You know, it was Jesus who said in John 15, 39, you search the Scriptures, but the Scriptures tell of me. Therefore, don't stop with the words, come to the relationship, but after you're in the relationship, the Bible says, we have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? When you love somebody, when you are building a love relationship with somebody, you begin to take on their mentality. You begin to take on their perspective. You begin to think like them. And so when you read Scripture, watch this, this is so cool. It not only leads you closer to Christ, it leads you to gain ins the insight of Christ in all the world. You'll begin to see Christ in places you've never seen before and places who don't even, don't even, uh, aren't even acknowledging that, 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 that they're the truth of God. You'll start, to, you'll start to see the whole world as Christ sees it, as God's truth. This, again, this week, I'll close with this. this I was watching the, the thingy uh, again, and, and there's a channel on there that teaches algebra. Well, I thought, well, this is pretty cool. I haven't seen an algebra class for years. When I, when I went there, I was, I'm pouring over in my mind, this is late at night, pouring over in my mind about how the church, as it is presently structured, is not best suited for the future. So I'm going over in my mind, okay, what's it going to take? And I'm watching this guy teach 
a class of high school students algebra. Now, for those of you who forget, algebra is, a, is an arrangement of a formula equal on both sides of the equation. And how you solve a problem is that you rearrange the components without changing their value so that eventually you can get the answer because you can't get it from the first step. I want to tell you, I was looking at that, and God says, that's just like church. You've got to rearrange the components without changing the value. You can't solve your problem like it's arranged right now, but you can solve your problem down here as you simply rearrange the components. That's the mind of Christ. All fields of discipline speak the truth of God if we have the mentality, and we will have the mentality if we read the Bible. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us this word that not only leads us to you, but leads us to think like you and to perceive your truth in every field of life and every person that crosses our path. Lord, we would pray that you would give us the heart and the desire to read the Word every day. If it's in the curriculum that we're studying together, that's great. If it's, if it's beyond that, that's wonderful. But Lord, Help us to actually do it, not just to talk about it. And let it have its effect. Help us to come to you, not uh, in a goal, but in a relationship. Let your word guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.